0: Okay, it's the parasha, the parasha is Vayigash, right? You know that Yaakov Avinu is the most uh, enticing of the ovos, He's the one that we sympathize with the most, and we like to learn the stories that have to do with Yaakov Avinu. And the reason for that may be because Yaakov Avinu is normal. You know, Yaakov Avinu, his life is full of disappointments. His life is... Uh, he wants to do one thing and something else happens to him. He's never quite able to accomplish what he thinks he wants to accomplish. And yet, and yet, he's the greatest of the Ovos because he's responsible for the creation of Klav Yisrael. The Jewish people were created by Yaakov Avinu, his children. It's, uh, you know, going down to Mitzrayim. Coming out of Mitzrayim. So Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov Avinu strikes us as being the most human of the Ovos. Because Avram Avinu and Yitzchok were perfect in many ways. And Yaakov Avinu keeps getting into trouble. And this is summarized by Chazal in their famous interpretation of the first posok of the parash of Right, the first poshuk of the parash of not this, not our parsha, but you should remember the pasuk. The pasuk says, uh, the first Posuk of Ayeshev, if I can just turn the page... Vayeshev Yaakov B'Eretz Megurei Aviv B'Eretz Kenan Vayeshev He sat there. He lived there. This was after the story with Yaakov and Esau when they come to Eretz Yisrael Vayeshev Yaakov But Chazal understood very well that there was something wrong because Yaakov did not Vayeshev Yaakov Avinu was on his way to Mitzrayim. Yaakov Avinu was on his way to exile from Eretz Israel. Yaakov Avinu was taking his children to hundreds of years of slavery. So how could the terrorists say Vayeshev Yaakov? It's simply not correct. So the famous Medrash which is quoted in Rashi, Vayeshev. Right, the Medrash says, Bikesh Yaakov leshev B'Shalva. Bikesh, it doesn't mean he sat. It doesn't mean Vayeshev. It means that Yaakov Avinu wanted to Vayeshev. But what happened? What happened? Chazal say, Kofats alav rogzol shel Yosef. Kofatz Olav Rogzoshal Yosef, which means that life as determined right away by Yosef, that's why the parish continues, the beginning of Yeshef, Yeshef Yaakov, kenan. Kanan. Yaakov, the next Pasuk says, Toldot Yaakov, meaning these are the children of Yaakov, so we should hear about Ruvain and Shimon and Levi. Those were the children of Yaakov as they were born, but the Torah says, "Yosef ben Shua That's the pshat. Yaakov wanted to speak. Yaakov laseret b'shalva. He wanted to have, find peace. He wanted to be an eretz Yisrael after his long exile. The story with Lavan, his wives, Esav, must speak. Bekeish la'shevet b'shalva, Yosef. There's a whole new story. There's a whole new story, and that story is about how Yaakov avinu lo yachol la'shevet b'shalva. That Yaakov avinu does not find peace. And that is the story of the life of Yaakov avinu. Yaakov of Vinu does not find peace in whatever he does. Kofat's alav rogzo shel Yosef. So you know, there's an interesting story in the parsha of Vayechi. we're in the of Vayigash. But the parsha of Vayechi, if you look... If you look at the at the uh, fifth source on the second side of the page, the pasuk says, tam Yaakov o'vinu before he died, Yaakov o'vinu before he died, said, "Anin esaf el ami, tivru oti." El Avotai. El Suddenly, as you would say, you know, as somebody would say, Erozach Damont that Yaakov suddenly remembered. Here he is, he's talking to Yosef. He's talking to the brothers. He knows what's going to happen, because even though he may have lost the power of prophecy in Egypt, But he knew what was about to happen. That his children and his grandchildren were entering into a period of slavery. A difficult and terrible period. And Yaakov said, Look, let me out of here. Let me get back to where I belong. Bury me in in Eretz Yisrael and bury me in the Ma'arasha HaMistei Efron It's hard to understand Here's Yaakov Avinu instead of saying, I'm staying with my children. You can bury me temporarily in Eretz Mithrayim, as Yosef himself did. Yosef said, I'll be buried in Mithrayim, and when they go back to Eretz Canaan, they'll take me. Why couldn't they take Yaakov Avinu? Why couldn't they take Yaakov Avinu? And then the Pasuk continues, Pasuk Lamed bamarash Shabistea Machpelah. V'amarasha bistera machpelah Yaakovirus to say it to them. There's a there's a there's a cave in this field called Machpelah. Hashem pudei mamreya. I want you to know exactly where it is. Baruch Kanana shekanav Sademe eight me'ait Efron ha'chiti lachuzat kever lachuzat kever. Achuzah. That's something she'ochazimbo that you hold on to its property as Yaakov Avinu said what I couldn't have in my lifetime the peace the quiet of living in Eretz Yisrael I demand now that I am going to die take me back to that place take me to the place that Avram Avinu bought the place that is called again and again in the Torah Achuzak Kedrev you see the Rashbam remember the Rashbam Rashi, Rashi, Rashbam, right? It's a, that they they go together. The Rashbam says Lo yuchlu la What does that mean? Yaakov Avinu says to to his children, bury me in the Marata Mechpela, and then the Rashbam said the reason that he points to the fact that Avram Avinu bought the Marata Mechpela that belongs to him. Which means, the sons, they wouldn't be able to say, where, where should we bury you? Uh, we don't have a place, we don't own a plot in the cemetery, you know old people, these are the discussions that they have. Yaakov Avinu said, I own a plot in Eretz Yisrael. I inherited it, from Avram Avinu. It's an achuza. It's an inheritance that I have. Shama, he goes on to say, Yaakov Avinu, v'pasuk l'amera, v'kavu at Sarah Ishto, yishto, v'shamu kavu at Yishak, Ishto b'shavat chavarati et leah, and of course there's like a little a little uh, intermediate story like, oh, why leah, why, why, why not Rachel, but that doesn't it's not my my interest at the moment. What we're interested in is the fact that Yaakov said, it's mine. That plot belongs to me, and therefore I can demand that you bring me to that plot. But Yaakov doesn't answer the question. Answer the question why. Why now? Why couldn't he wait, as Yosef waited? When they capture Eretz Yisrael, there would be enough room for everybody. there would be enough room for Yosef. there would be enough room for Yaakov He said, "Pasuk sadeva marasha bo Again, emphasizing the purchase of this ma'ara. by Yaakov panav and then the Torah tells us lo <laughs> the sons did what Yaakov did Demanded. Again, that emphasis achuzat kever. Achuzat kever means a grave that belongs to me. It belongs to me. Vayashav uh, Yosef Mitzrayimahu ve'echa v'chol ha'olimi tolik barat aviv aviv. So, this is the beginning of another story. But you have the Torah takes the trouble of saying, Yaakov demanded to be buried in the Achuzat Kever that Avram Avinu bought, which he inherited. It was the only thing in Eretz Yisrael, you have to remember. The only thing in Eretz Israel which Am Yisrael owned, the only piece of property, Dalit al Dalit, it was bought legally, openly uh, uh, by Avram Avinu from Ephron Hachiti, and that's what he keeps saying again and again. The only thing that is called Ahuzah, the only thing that is called, I grabbed onto it, I, it belongs to me, is the Marat HaMachpela But look at how the Torah tells us about Yaakov Avinu coming to Mitzrayim. If you look at the next source, Reshit Peret Memzai, the Yeshe Yisrael, the Eretz Mitzrayim, the Eretz Goshen, remember? Yaakov Avinu comes with his children, and Yosef says to him, Oh, look, you know, you can't, you can't be an integrated neighborhood. We can't put the Jews with, uh, with all the Egyptians. Who knows what might happen? We'll have to give you your own place. We will create a ghetto for your benefit. Now listen. The only territory that Am Yisrael owned until this point in history was Eretz Goshen. They owned Eretz Goshen. They don't own a thing in Eretz Yisrael except the Marat Hamachpelah. That's what they own. Yisrael. The beginning of the parasha. This is the last pasuk. This is the last pasuk in our parsha, Right? Vayigash. This is the first pasuk in Vayichi. Vayichi Yaakov Ba'eretz Mitzrayim Shva'as V'yishana. Vayu Yimei Yaakov Shnei Chaya shva- Sheva Shanei Shana. Vayichi Yaakov. Yochazal say, What do you mean Vayichi Yaakov Ba'eretz Mitzrayim? What does it mean? What do you mean, he lived? Of course he lived. He lived until he died. He lived 17 years in Eretzim Shrine until he died. Why do Chazal, why does the Torah say, like it's such a big deal? So Rashi says, quoting Chazal, Chazal in different places, say that was, that was the only place that Yaakov Avinu lived. Life for Yaakov Avinu began and ended in Mishra. Imagine Chazal saying such a thing. Believe it was a true even if it's true, I mean, maybe you shouldn't say it. Like, 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 why would you say such a thing? But it's there, Rashi quotes it, by Yechi Yaakov. He lived, he lived in Mitzrayim. Right. What about Canaan? No, Canaan. Kofat's all of Rokshol Yosef. He had to run away from Canaan. He couldn't get back into Canaan. He, he couldn't rest in Canaan. It was all, he was, he was in a movie that, that kept moving him around. Mitzrayim, Vayechi Yaakov. That's life. You know, it's like those advertisements for retirement villages. You know, where everything is perfect. Yaakov's life, Yaakov Avinu's life was perfect when he came to Mitzrayim. Those last 17 years. And what is it about those 17 years that is special? Perak mem zayin, Zion, zayin. Vayeshev Yisrael. Yisrael meaning Yaakov, Avinu, and B'nei Yisrael. Be'eretz, Yitzrayim, Be'eretz, Goshen. Vaye'achazubah. Vayifru, vayebu Ma'ot. It was this connection that they had to the land which enabled vayifru vayirbu, normal living. They were able to fulfill their obligations. the Baruch Hu said to other HaRishon and then to Noah that the obligation is period of a review. That's the obligation that you have. But you have to be rooted. You can't be in a desert. You can't be nowhere. You have to be someplace. Or when was B'nai Yisrael someplace? In Mitzrayim. And so, which, of course, eventually Paro understood. Not this Paro, a different Paro understood that that they were too comfortable, that things were going too well, that they would they would somehow eventually take over. So that's what Paro that's what Paro understood. That's. Uh, <laughs> So we learned Preshit Perik Mem Teth, and Preshit Perik Nun, and Preshit Perek Mem Zayin. Now let's go backwards. Let us go backwards. Remember the story of Shechem and Dina. Remember the story of Shechem and Dina? Perik at the top of the page, Perik Lab Shem raped Dina, and then he wanted to marry her. And so, Hamor comes to negotiate. Hamor, the father of Shem. Chash'ta shob Okay. Conversation. Hamor is negotiating for Dina. Yitchatnu Otanu and you'll intermarry with us. Binotechem, tichnulana. Well, it's an author, I mean, Avram Avinu said, "Don't get involved with Bnot Kanan and Yitchoch." And now Yaakov has this author. vet benoteinu tikhulachem. Pasuk Yud, va'ateitanu, itanu te'shev'u, va'aretz ti'elufnechem shev'u. Uscharua, ve-hei Again, that word. What is it that Shem, what is it that Hamor is offering Yaakov Avinu? Permanent dwelling in Eretz Yisrael. So if Shemor is offering Yaakov Avinu permanent dwelling in Eretz Yisrael, that's an offer. Obviously, that's what he didn't have. I mean, if Hamor is going to give it to Yaakov Avinu, so you have a Raya again, that's a proof that Yaakov Avinu was not a permanent resident in Eretz Israel. Imagine that. Avram Avinu was a permanent resident. And Yitzchak also, but Yaakov Avinu was not a permanent resident in Eretz Yisrael. That's why Hamor says to him, hey, chazuba." I'll give you whatever you want. So, so the son is not as clever as the father. The son says, "I'll give you money," but you know, money—you may have heard—we've proven in the recent uh, months that money doesn't always work. And sometimes, you know, you don't get connected to anything with money. The money can just disappear. Or it can be an illusion. But land, connectivity to the land, that's something great. In all the generations. So here's Hamar saying to Yaakov, I'm going to connect you. You're an outsider. You're not part of Eretz Israel, but I'm going to give it to you. The next source. Listen to this. Perek Lamidvav, But Mem. You know, Perek Lamidvav. That's the, the Zohar says that that's the most difficult perek in the Torah. That's what the Zohar says. The most difficult perek in the Torah. You imagine that? What's Perek Vav about? It's about Alufay Esav, the children, the grandchildren, the wives of Esav and his children. Why is it so difficult? Because it's obviously totally irrelevant. Of all the things that you want to know, this is not on the list. Does anybody want to know who Esau's children were? Who his wife, the wives of his children were? Nobody. So this parak is the most difficult parak in the Torah. This idea is that there's, if there's a parak that has got a pshat but only has sewed. That's really something. This is like the greatest parak of all. So it says, Now, of all the names that we just read, almost none of them are ever heard in a Brit Milah. I mean, it's in the Torah. Is it true? Would you be proud to have their children or grandchildren named, uh I don't know, uh, Alva? But no, it's in the Torah, but we don't pay any attention to that. Aluf kinas, aluf teiman, aluf meivtzar, aluf magdiel, aluf irab, elof edom, and shutam eretz achuzatam. Eretz achuzatam, who a sava via So the Torah says. That at the time that Esau and Yaakov were living in Eretz Yisrael. Who had the Ahuzah? Esau. And even though it's true that Yaakov won the battle to re-enter Eretz Yisrael. You know, like they were standing there fighting with each other. Yaakov was fighting with the angel of Esau. And Yaakov won. So he won the battle. But he didn't get Ahuzah. Who had achuzah in Eretz Yisrael? That was Esav. That was Esav. Esav was had achuzah. Esav. Chamor. He was achuz in Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov. Vayeshev Yaakov. Bikesh Shevet b'shalva. Tafats alav rogzo shel Yosef. With everything was just when Yaakov Avinu thought that he might be able to find Menucha in Eretz Yisrael, he had to start moving. He had to bring everybody out of Eretz Yisrael. Uh, if you look at the bottom of this page. The four last sources. Perakut Zion pasuk het the Brit veinabatarin. Venatati lecha lezarachah to Avraham Avinu ulizarachah charecha et eretz migurecha. Eretz migurecha. Natati lecha et eretz migurecha. Migurecha <migure> means you live there, but it's not yours. I mean that's possible. Eretz migurecha. How do I know that? Eid called Eretz Canaan, Lachuzat Olam. Eretz Canaan, Lachuzat Olam. When? That's the promise. Even Avram Avinu didn't have Achuzah. He had the promise, but he didn't have the Achuzah. When did we get the Achuzah? When Yoshua came into Eretz Kanan with B'nei Yisrael and they captured it. The next Pasuk, Perakav Gimel Pasuk Tet, the Etain Lee. Avra is negotiating with Ephronachiti, et Maratha Machbilash <laughs> Shelo Shebiksek Sadeo, Bikesem, Alei, et Nenali, Bitochichem, Lachuzat <laughs> <laughs> Kever. Otpam. This is when it happened. Remember Yaakov told the story to Yosef? He emphasized the Lachuzat Kever. Vayokom hasadev mara marah Avraham l'Avraham l'Achuzat keber b'eit b'neichet Vayokom Vayokom means Vayokom Vayokom hasadev ha-marah she'ebo l'Avraham What does Vayokom mean? It means um, it was filed in Tabo That's what Vayokom means Everybody knew about it Everybody knew that the sale had taken place and everybody knew that this mara belonged to Avraham Avinu And that's what Yaakov says before he dies. I have a piece of property in Eretz Yisrael and I want to be buried there. That's my place. That's my place. The last pasuk Now that pasuk got in, snuck in. (laughs) Snuck in by accident. So we see, I think, that there's a theme. There's a a theme that Yaakov Avinu carries around with him. And for Yaakov Avinu, as opposed to Yosef, Yaakov Avinu could not imagine giving up that little piece of land that he actually owned in Eretz Yisrael. And so Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef and his brothers... Take me back to my place. Yosef, when he died, didn't have a place. There was no place that Yosef could tell the people to go to. So Yosef said, I want to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Meaning, I want to be buried in Eretz Yisrael that belongs to me. And that was not going to be until Yeshua Nun came into Eretz Yisrael and conquered it. And so Yosef said, okay... I have to wait, I will wait. So this is a story. I told you a story about Yaakov Avinu. I explained what the lack of rest means, and what rest means. That there is only one Ahuza that Am Yisrael had at this time. And that one Ahuza is the marata Mahpelah, which belonged to Yaakov Avinu. That's all there was. That was their ownership in Eretz Yisrael, nothing else. And so the pre looks at all of this and asks an interesting question. Now this pre-tzaddik is, uh, is worthy of, uh, of continuing thought. But let's try to understand. This pre is printed at the beginning of his commentary on the parish of Ayyichid. But it relates to the things that we are talking about. The pre-Tzaddik, Rav Soda Kakoy, who lived in Lublin, right? who was a Talmud of Ishbitz. He was a Talmud of Ishbitz, and uh, in Lublin, he was uh, a devotee of Rav Label Eger, who became the first Rebbe, the first sort of Ishbitz-aligned Rebbe in, uh, in Lublin, and after Rav Leibola Eger died... Then Rav Zodik became the Rebbe. So he says this. Vayichi Yaakov b'eretz v'tzrayim 17 shana, v'hi yimei Yaakov shenei chaya sheva shanim v'arbaim v'mayad shana. Metzimu bat Torah sh'ha shol Yaakov lo nechtivu b'feirush, rak b'remes. <laughs> T'moshah amruh, that for some reason, there's a lack of clarity in the Torah about what Yaakov Avinu did in the various years of his life. Like when he, uh, when he came to Mitzrayim, how old he was, and how old he was when he died. But we kind of infer it from the years of Yishmael. samach when he came to Betrayim, Paro asked him, "How old you are? How old are you?" And he said, "130 years." And here it says he lived 147 years. It's like the, 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 the uh, Pre-Tzaddik is noticing the fact that instead of the Torah saying that uh, Yaakov Avinu lived, uh, was in the shrine for 17 years, so we know when he came, he was 130, so we would figure out ourselves that he was 147 years old, but the Torah says the Torah says he died, he was 147 years, he came to the shrine, he was 130, so we have to subtract to find out that he was in the shrine for 17 years. He says, he couldn't understand, he couldn't understand why the Torah couldn't just say things straightly. Okay? So he says, in order to deal with this problem, I've got to tell you something that's written in the Zohar. Now, Zohar means a medrash. That's what the Zohar is. The Zohar is a medrash, a running commentary on the Chumash. And even though sometimes the Zohar is a little difficult to understand, often it's not so difficult to understand. Except that it's written in Aramaic, which, you know, is a bit of a problem for some people. Um, For most people. But you can even get used to that. I mean, what I'm just going to say is that the Zohar is not a frightening work. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people don't learn Zohar for some reason, mostly Ashkenazim, because they, you know, Ashkenazim, especially Lita'im, you know, keshiva guys, because they don't want to find out that there's something to be happy about. Right? So they, they, stay, away from, they stay away from that, and they like just stay with the way they are all the time. So he says, but the Zohar, the Zohar, according to Rabbi Sadov, the Zohar is like the Chumash, the Tanakh, the Mishnah, the Gemara, the Zohar, It's all the same. It's all the same. It's all an opportunity to look at things more closely. right? That's what all of this parashanut, all of this different kind of, of, uh, of interpretation does for me. So this is what he says. called Yomei. Lo akwevay begin to call Yome Bitsara Havu Ale ktif Lo Shalvati. So he says he says after all we understand that that uh, that all these the years that Yahoo Vidal lived, he was unhappy, except for these years. Batadana Khatal Mitsraim Akri Vayhi. As we said in the beginning, this is a Zohar. So what he got to Mitsrayim Suddenly, Yaakov Vida was alive. V'dayku medlog, Ketiba yeshev Yaakov, Uketiba yechi, Gayud zayin shana, Shaya b'mizrayim, Hechya gam otam ashanim shabru alav. Uk'mo shayamu kol Sigato Shana achat tova, Samu kuzik nato, Simeanya la Kodish gil kol yamav aya betova. He says, so, so he's just quoting the Zohar. And the Zohar says, 17 years of Israel, that was the greatest. As we said, the retirement village. Yaakov Avinu is happy, the sun is shining, he goes out to play golf. He has a little a little uh, apartment in Goshen on the 17th hole, whatever the best hole to have is. I don't know. So you, you walk out of your apartment, then you just, you know... You hit the golf balls. Kikolya Yaakov, Shayabit Sarah Lodi Kra Khayim it's Yaakov. Pas line ten. That 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 Chayim was not Yaakov. Kilo Nishlam Bikdu Sha to And here's the difficult part. Kilom Nishlam Bikdushato Virat Bimitsraimsacha Lishtalim Bikdushato. So here's the pre-tzaddik. The pre-tzaddik the says, you know, for Yaakov Avinu there was no life until he came to Mitzrayim. What do you mean there's no life? Because he was alive. He ate, he slept, he walked around, I mean, he was alive. He says, no. I says life is when you get to where you're supposed to be. That's called Life. Everything before that is just preparatory. It's like it's like a, a baby in the womb. I mean, the baby's alive after a fashion, but that's not life. Life is when you live. And so Yaakov Avinu, when we say that Yaakov Avinu is able to live in Mitzrayim, it means that Yaakov Avinu, according to the Pitzadik, Yaakov had achieved something in Mitzrayim, that he had not achieved in the rest of his life that's what that's what it the the the, the what it means and he says likhora you see line 11 let's look at it together line 11 the fourth word lichora. likhora is an opinion that zotadic says it would seem it would seem see has means in as far as we have the capacity to analyze and Ratzarik knew all of the Torah Ratzarik everybody called him Hagaon bechasidut now usually Gaon, the word Gaon is reserved for a Talmudist an expert at Halakha but Ratzarik was called Gaon B'chassidut he says, after all, we all know. I don't have to explain to you that Eretz Israel is the most wondrous place in the world. And that HaKadosh said to lech Go to Eretz Israel. goy gadol. And there you will become a great nation. Mitzchak amat, Gul ba'aretz azot, va'avot. V'gan Yaakov atzmo chibivu et ha'aretz. And it wasn't just that they were commanded to go to Eretz Israel, but there was chibah. There was a special feeling that they had about Eretz Israel. Ha'ya ra'oi, she'yishtalem Yaakov be'kdushato, be'eretz the right. He says, what kind of story is this? How could it be that Chazal expanded in the Zohar? This is not just the Zohar, this is all, all over Chazal. That life, meaning perfection, came to Yaakov Avinu when he lived in Egypt. What sort of idea is that? I mean, how could it be that Yaakov Avinu would achieve perfection... Leaving Eretz Israel and going to Mitzrayim. How's that possible? he says, and We all know that the Egyptians represent a despicable kind of way of life. As I've mentioned before, I mean, after all, the Egyptians. Didn't have to pray for rain. They lived without a connection to God. Because they had the Nile, Nile overflowed them. Therefore, Kodesh Bofa says, the Torah says, don't go back to Mitzrayim. Because Mitzrayim is a terrible place. And here, according to the story in the Torah, it's Tavka in Mitzrayim that Yaakov Avinu blossoms. That he becomes Yaakov Avinu. And Rav Tzedek says, how could that be how could it be that he, that, that all his life whatever Yaakov Inu did was nothing compared to the 17 years that he lived in the shrine? he says uh, line 13 ayara u yaakov shato perak that if Yaakov Avinu was going to become something I could understand If the Torah would say That when he was in the house of Wavon, That he couldn't become He couldn't be really Yaakov Avinu But he came to, back to Eretz Israel, Then he should be able to But when he came back to Eretz Israel, He met Esav Who did have an Ahuza And later on he met Hamor and Shechem They also had an Ahuza And finally Yosef says no, I'm not going to come to you You come to me Right, you have to leave Eretz Yisrael. You want to see your son Yosef, so that was the life of Yaakov Avinu, getting disconnected from Eretz Yisrael again and again, and Chazal saying in this way, in that way, in the other way, that that his shleimut, that the perfection of Yaakov Avinu could only happen in in uh, in Eretz Yisrael, and so along comes the. Uh, the uh, the pre and he says this and he says this line 14 in fact we have found he says we see a similar recurrence in history in the Babylonian exile Uvegalut Bayachani. and in the exile of the second temple, the Roman exile right? you remember? The Babylonians 586 BCE the the Romans 70 CE he says we see something similar how? Sheikar Sheikar hitpashdut torah sheba'alpeh Haya daika be He says the accomplishments of Torah Peh, of the learning of Torah was greater in Bavel than in Eretz Yisrael Daika sham nitgalelahem lahem razei ha-Torah ma nitgalelahem biyashvam al-admatah so he says, you see, that there's a parallel in history. And of course, everything the Avot did, you could always find parallels in history. Because besides happening to them, they were also making it happen. They were also clearing the path for the future. So, in Bavel, Adam Yisrael, look, uh, the Talmud Bavli, everybody knows. The Talmud Bavli, I mean, whether you've been in yeshiva or you haven't been in yeshiva, you know that uh, that what they learn is the Talmud Bavli and the Talmud Yerushalmi what's called the Talmud Yerushalmi is largely adjunct it's like also but it's not the Ikar so you see that the Ikar what we call Talmud which is Tarash Al which is what people learn the Torah that we learn today is Bavli and not Eretz Yisraeli there was Talmud in Eretz Yisrael. But we don't learn it. And we learn it. But we don't learn it like we learned the Talmud Bavli. It's not quite the same. He says, Va'amru, Va'amru, uh, uh, one second. I missed a line here. Maybe more than a line. Vedaika Shalon Galalaham. On line 16 in the middle. That's what they said. It's there. It's over there. Line 17. Allah is Rami Babel. Yazda. Chazara. Venishtakha. That the Torah was brought from Chutzla Aretz to Eretz Israel. Aluram Chiyobana Vyistuah. Vachakaha Talmud Bavli Shu Ikar Torah Shebao Peh. Mashelanu, uh, Shebao Peh, Shelanu, Nityaseit Bibabel. Vabushir Ashire, Mishir Ashire, Rabbo, Sadikim, Hamidali, Bechul Bana, Yoter. In other words, I got more Torah after the Khorban Beit HaMikdash than I had when the Beit HaMikdash was built. This is going to get somewhere, right? We're going to get to something. <laughs> but you know that this is all uh, this is all true, isn't it? All true. The Rabban says the Rabban says that when the Torah was given to Moshe Ben Hasinai, if I look at you I could I imagine that I'm gonna get really cold soon. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't put a quarter in for the air conditioning? Huh? <laughs> It says uh, they keep advertising that if you put your air conditioner on 20, you're going to save 5% for every, every degree that you lowered it. So I guess we're saving a lot of money tonight. <laughs> Rabban, says, Rabban says that the Torah was given to Moshe Rabbeinu with two commentaries. Right? There's the Torah Shavau Peah of Nigla and the Shaval Peh of Nistar, the two commentaries were given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. <laughs> and so our job was to learn those commentaries and develop them and try to understand them. So it turns out that according to, according to, uh, to, uh, to the Preet Sadiq, everybody knows this is simple history. This is not something that, uh, that you have to be a Kabbalist to know. That the real development, that the, that the uh, greater understanding of Shaval Peh, Came to us out of Eretz Israel rather than in Eretz Israel. It's true that the Torah was given to us at Har Sinai, but we thought we'd we'll go from Har Sinai to uh, to, uh, to Eretz Israel and that everything would be perfect. For some reason, for some reason, and that's also a, like a question that, that perhaps could be answered. For some reason, the Torah the Torah flowered in Chutzlar, not It's not in Eretz Israel. And that's what, that's, what the, that's what the pre-tzaddik is no, noticing. That's what he's noticing. And he's saying not only that, he says you have to understand, if you look here at line 18, V'amru, this is according from sure, Shih Shirim Rabba, tzaddikim li li That there are more righteous people more great Jews that we know about after the Churban Beit HaMikdash than before the Churban Beit HaMikdash. In other words, he says, well, after all... When God created the world, it was the world that was created. It wasn't Eretz Yisrael that was created. That's the world. The world is where the sun goes around 365 days. Okay... Like without getting too involved, but what that 's what that's what, uh, 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 that's what uh, uh, the world in, in other words, somehow the the three is tried to get out of this problem They trying to say i, I don 't understand it. how come the greatest thing didn 't happen to the Jewish people only in Eretz uh, How come it happened also to the diaspora? How come we won all those Nobel Prizes when we were in the diaspora? There weren't any Nobel Prizes in Israel. Even though now we started also to win a few Nobel Prizes. But but you know, you can, I can ask a question like that. Yeah, you can ask a question like that. I remember that Steiner once said that uh, he was like, uh, he, he, had a, he had a negative attitude to the Jews, in Aritz, the Jews in the modern land of Israel. He liked the diaspora of Jews, and he said, Israel has not produced any great chess players. You know, like in the world that he lived in, like, great chess players meant that was something, you know. Of course, today, it's true, we have not produced many great chess players, but we import them. You know, like... Like it's a new, it's like a, we're we're the business, we're the great business. We, you know, if you have great people in Russia, so we'll import all those Russians and have them play chess for us or, or whatever. So Steiner did not, did not relate to that question. Line 22. Vakol Nivra nevra. B'ha Torah, Shahu Kli Umanato. God created the world with the Torah, and the Torah is Kli Umanato. It's the uh, it's the tool that was used to create the world. Moshe Rabba, Gam Yud Beit Rabba Ve'chein He goes through he goes through parsha. If the parsha tried to explain tried to explain that. That there's a counter indication in Jewish history, which was fixed when Yaakov Avinu went to Israel. Now listen carefully. There are two streams of history that the pretzadek is talking about. One is the idea that the world cannot exist as it was supposed to exist. And the only, you know, the world is supposed to be a world which recognizes God and the creation of the world. And th- that didn't happen. Remember, they were the children of Adam Harishon, then Noah, then the time of Avram Avinu and everybody was an idolater. You saw, we spoke that, Rachel stole the Trafim, and she came back with her husband, Jacob, with idols. And then later, Chazal say they stole the idols after the battle with Shem and Chamor. Right, the battle in Shem. There were idols. They stole them. It was idolatry, idolatry. This counter indicated position by by the people in the world. That idolatry was rampant, and so the solution, the solution for the world, for the created world was to choose a nation and that that nation would agree by contract we call that contract a brit a covenant that nation would agree to maintain the standards that HaKadosh Baruch Hu demanded when the world was created so there wouldn't be a world that was aware of God but there would be a nation that would be aware of God, and the and the the, uh, uh, the bounty that that nation would get in the covenant, in that agreement that Hakadosh Baruch Hu made with us. We keep the Torah. HaKadosh Baruch gives us the land. And HaKadosh Baruch guarantees that we will eventually be a great nation. And that was the deal. And that deal is called the Brit. And the first Brit with Avraham Avinu is called Brit Bein Habitarim for whatever reason. The next Brit is Matan Torah. The third Brit is the Brit that was established by Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of the parasha of, Ayik, of B'chukotai in Vayikra. And that Brit is supplanted ultimately before they go into Eretz Israel by the Brit, by the covenant in the parasha of Ki Tavon. So that at least four times in the Torah the Brit is, is held up and, and, and explain to us and that that grit, that grit indicates that the existence of the world, the existence of the created world, is dependent on us fulfilling our part of the bargain. But what about the rest of the world? The rest of the world, I mean, you could have uh, two positions about the rest of the world. You could say, look, the rest of the world is hopeless. It's hopeless, that want to eat... Uh, They want to eat the things that you're not allowed to eat. And they want to do things that you're not allowed to do. And it's hopeless. It's hopeless. We will keep the world together. We are the anchor. We are in Eretz Yisrael doing what you're supposed to be doing. And therefore the world, the chut kiyum of the world is protected. But that apparently is not the intention of our Kodesh Baruch. In making the covenant. But the intention of the Kodesh Bohu is in the language of the Kabbalah or the language of the Ariza, that we should not just provide the world with an escape. Okay, the world is not Bethsaida but Am Yisrael is And because Am Yisrael is Bethsaida the world could then continue to exist. But we accept a further obligation and that further obligation is called tikkun ha'olam. Tikkun ha'olam. Which is not about saving the whales. Although saving the whales might be a good thing. Right? I'm not, uh, I'm not making a judgment about saving the whales. Okay. Saving the whales. Fine. But tikkun ha'olam means bringing the world to the state that it should be at. Bringing the world to recognize what it should recognize. And therefore Am Yisrael through the Nevi'im has an eschatology that includes all the nations of the world. Bo! <laughs> Everybody, what will they come? What will they do? They're not going to become Jews. They're not going to be part of the covenant. But they will be aware of what Briatollah means. And what the covenant is about. And that Am Yisrael accepts this further obligation. Accepts this further obligation to bring the light, the understanding, the knowledge of the Torah to the rest of the world. Not in an obligatory manner. Not to say, you have to be Jewish, or you have to be part of Abi Israel, but you have to be enlightened. You have to be enlightened from the word light. You have to be, uh, you know, suffused with light. And that light is something that we're happy to share. We're happy to share that with everybody, and in fact, we have to share that. And so, what the pre-tzaddik is going to convince us of is this. When we lived in Eretz Israel, and Eretz Israel was our achuzah, and we were dominant over everybody else in the land, and they became irrelevant, then our hashba'ah on the rest of the world was little. We were a nation, and they were there, they were nations. We did it our way, they did it their way. It was not possible for us It was not possible for us to achieve this level of influence But in the diaspora or the, the, the Galut of Bavel and the Galut of Romy later on We understood that if we would, would cleave to the Torah If we would make this tremendous effort To produce the Shas Bavli To produce the Babylonian Talmud What an effect that might have on the rest of the world. Because that's all we were. We weren't a government. We weren't running business affairs. We didn't have offices. We weren't filling out forms. We weren't telling people what to do. We were just learning Torah. And just learning Torah would have a tremendous effect. So there was really a duality... To our desire. Like what do we want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? Like what, what, what are we dreaming about? So everybody always said we dreamt about Yerushalayim. Yes we dreamt about Yerushalayim. We always dreamt about Eretz Israel. We always dreamt about Eretz Yisraelim. It's true. And that dream came true. But while we were dreaming we were also alive. And when we were alive in the diaspora we were creating models For other people to follow. And as the Ravman says at the end of Hilchot Mulachim, Hilchot Mulachim. The Ravman says at the end of Hilchot Mulachim in his great work, he says, you know, the Christians, the Muslims, no, I would say it this way. You know, the Jews, they're sitting and learning Torah. So when you're sitting and learning Torah, until Chabad came along, which is a new thing in the, the, the 20th century, until Chabad, you know, all the Jews were learning Torah, and they had no time to proselytize. You know, proselytize the world. That's a, that's a tough business. You know, you have to really put in all your time into that. Is that so easy to be a sholiach for Chabad? That's what you do. You know, you serve sandwiches, you sing songs, you talk to people, yak, 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 yak. It's like, uh, and then you, uh, there are people like you. So it's great. But the Jews never did that. They were, they were stuck in a tosus above a Kaaba. You know what that is? You can you imagine talking to the Goyim about a tosus above a Kaaba? They say, what are you doing with the light of the Torah? So you say, oh, oh there's a difficult tosus I'm working on. So you say, what, well, this guys crazy? You know, like, uh, like have a good time? So the Raman says, Raman said, you see, you see, we learned Torah. And along came Muhammad, Muhammad, he was like a uh, a rabble rouser, and he they went for it. Where did Muhammad learn whatever he learned? He learned from Jews, right? What's the Quran? It's like a, it's like an inexpensive version of the Chumash, you know, uh, like uh, like shortcuts. Chumash was shortcuts. That's the Quran. So so the Rambam says, Rabbah says, Christianity, Islam. They are like our outside men. <laughs> like They work for us. They work for us because after all these ideas, who did they deal with? Who did Paul go to to deal with? He couldn't deal with Jews. He couldn't deal with the Jews. Every time Paul would talk to a Jew, Paul is a, a disciple. You know Paul? Sha'ul. Paul. Paul talked to the Jews. So he said to them. So Paul would say, Ah, you have to turn the other cheek. So the Jews would say, who says? <laughs> yes, you can't talk to Jews, right, because they always say, who says? Where does it say? Who? I want your authority. You know, you, know, you, you can't deal with that. So he went to Rome, where they had a bunch of idolaters going. So he saw a guy, he said, turn the other cheek, he said, wow! What a great idea! And they all became Christians. They all became Christians. So, so, so the rabbin says, the Rambam's understanding of history. The rabbis all lived at the nexus, nexus between the Christians and the Muslims in Spain. You know the Christians ca- captured this half, and the Muslims captured this half, and it was a little tricky to be Jewish. And so the Ramam eventually had to leave. I mean, all the Jews were you know kicked out one way or the other. But so he left. But and he knew about that. He knew about Christians and Muslims, and he said they work for us. They work for us because the ideas that they are spreading in the world, they're our ideas. We just don't have time to do that kind of work. But they're doing it, they're doing it on our behalf. So that the Kabbalah, according to the pre according to the way pre-tsaddik sees history, and then we'll get to Yaakov and Veeder in a minute. According to the pre according to the there's a tension in us. There's a duality in us. We need Eretz Yisrael to be as good as we can be, and we need chutzla arutz in order to do what we have to do, to spread the light, to spread the light of the Torah every place we go. And so Yaakov Vidu Yaakov Avidu in some ways, was destined to be the paragon for the Jewish people forever. His children were Am Yisrael. His wives were the mothers of Am Yisra'el. I mean there was a change, right? Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu's children had to prove themselves. They weren't automatically children of Avram Avinu. Yitzchak yes, Ishmael not. Yitzchak's children, right, they had to prove themselves. Yaakov yes, of no. But Yaakov's children, that's Am Yisra'el. The good and the bad. The devoted and the less devoted. The reasonable and the unreasonable. The ones who understand how you should act and the ones who don't understand how you should act. So Yaakov Avinu was the one who set the trend. And the first time Yaakov Avinu went into exile, when he went to the house of Lovon, that was Yaakov Avinu experiencing the negative of exile. Being disconnected Leaving Eretz Yisrael, not having a place, not being able to guarantee for yourself a future for yourself, for your family. That was the exile number one. But the exile number two, when Yaakov Avinu went to Mitzrayim, that was Yaakov Avinu accomplishing what he was supposed to accomplish. And so when he left his children, according to the pre the legacy that Yaakov Avinu left his children was, that you have to be great in Eretz Yisrael and you have to be great in Chutz La'aretz. Because our obligation is multivalent. We have to be here and we have to be there. We have to fix ourselves and we have to fix the world. But eventually, Yaakov said, eventually, the Ahuza is not going to be in Mitzrayim. The only Ahuza that Am Yisrael will have will be in Eretz Israel. So sooner or later, everybody will have to find their way to Eretz Israel, And that was the message that Yaakov Avinu left his children with. Yes, these 17 years of Mitzrayim, they were wonderful years. And we were able to affect whatever we were able to affect. And people learned from us whatever it was that they were able to learn from us. And of course, not even learning, not even good learning is always has a permanent effect. But this, according to the Pritzadik, set the stage for the wondrous development of Jewish ideas around the world. But you have to remember that the world will be fixed, will be better, will be different as a result of Jewish interaction or the Torah interaction with that world. But for us, there's only one place where such interaction is really possible, and that's in the Ahuzat Olam, that HaKadosh Bohu promises Avril Have a good show.